Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Riff. And Thursday night means I'm joined by John Gibson and Supermark. Good evening, lads. Good evening, Steve. Hi, John. Great to see you guys. Great to see you. And uh, another point on the board last week, John. Uh, Newcastle United went to Crystal Palace. Bit of doom and gloom from people expecting a defeat. But despite 25% possession, John, we managed to get a draw. Uh, It was a point gained, I think. We all felt like that. But look, it's a point. It's a starting block. Graham Jones was in charge. What did you make of his starting lineup? Uh, the changes that he made, and what did you make of the performance, John? Well, interesting, interesting. Uh, he changed tactically. He he went to a he went to a five. He changed personnel because he brought in uh, he brought in Kraft and uh, he brought in Fraser. Um, and what was interesting, and he made excuses afterwards, but that uh, he left out three of Newcastle's biggest signings in terms of financial outlay when he left out uh, Joe Linton, uh, Willick. Joe Willick and Al Mirren. So, he, he, I mean, if you take those three, mm-hmm. 40, 50, 80 million plus, three of the biggest signings together with Callum Wilson left on the bench and so he showed a bit of bravery there which i i was pleased for um we battled we got a point thank god for that if you want to be realistic you can say it took a wonder goal to get us that point and outside of a wonder strike if they'd won two or three nothing we couldn't have complained benteke getting a hat-trick he could have got five, Malcolm. He scored one. He scored a second one, which was knocked, uh, choked off on VAR because one of his mates pulled down Kieran Clark. Stupid thing to do because Kieran Clark wouldn't have cleared the ball anyway. So, But we were eternally grateful for that. He rattled the crossbar with two headers. So there's four headers that could have gone yeah. in. And his best chance was with his foot that he rolled wide of the goal. If mm. Callum Wilson had got five similar chances uh, for Newcastle, he would have scored more than one, man. Yeah, ben that's Tegge for sure. Himself, ben Tegge himself, man, could have had five. Mm. So we could have easily lost it. Having said that, we dug in, we dug in under a new boss and we come out with a, a wonderful goal <laughs> and a point. And we've got to be grateful. But isn't that sad? I'm not going to harp on about it again because I've done it far too much in the past. But I was screaming with anger early in the season when when we weren't winning. And I'm told, oh, it's only two matches in. It's only three yeah, matches in. Yeah. But the opposition we were playing when we, when we were playing Southampton, etc., 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 they're the teams you beat so that when... Mm-hmm. This lot comes along, like Chelsea at home. And bear in mind, we've got Liverpool and Man City. That's the top three before Christmas. When that lot come along, you've got points in the bag. We haven't. And that is the concern. And and this is monumental on Saturday. Nobody wants to play Chelsea, never mind uh, Newcastle United at the moment. But we're going to take positives out of it. I mean, um, I'm going to think... On Saturday, I'm going to think there's no Bruce and there's no Ashley. So the atmosphere is terrific. Adrenaline might be going. Uh, We've got Wilson and San Maximum. 
And if we get a little bit of luck, they get a red card in the score no G for us, we might win. I mean, <laughs> I'm, so I'm full of this optimism. And for older people like us, I'm also going, I remember vividly Devin Locke, who jumped every jump in the Grand National, about 38 jumps or whatever, two times round, and was in the front, cantering down the home straight to win the Grand National, suddenly decided to go splaw on the ground, four feet out, collapsed, and everybody run past him. So I'm looking for Chelsea to do a Devon knock. Um, and the pink pigs just flown past my window. <laughs> Man, I thought the interesting thing that Graham Jones said was that he picked the team based on how people have performed in training. I mean, you know... <laughs> One would imagine that isn't what the previous manager did, but I thought that they was didn't interesting. Train. They didn't train. Oh well, yeah, and, and I mean that's true. Yeah, and we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that after you know after after this after the after looking back at the match. But that was interesting. What did you make of Graham Jones's you know pre-match and post-match chat, Mal? Well, I, I I had little to complain about. I think he he whitewashed after the game. An awful lot that uh, was visible on the pitch. Um, one of the things for me was that uh, that generally in the play, I the Newcastle players they were standing five yards off of the man they were supposed to be marking, um, and, and and this was when Palace had possession instead of getting tight. And all I could think was. That, that this was under instruction from Graham Jones because it, it, it happened um, pretty much all over the, all over the pitch. And, uh, and I thought, well, you've got to get tight. You've got to put pressure. They were making it too easy for Palace just to knock the ball around. Hence, Newcastle only got a very low percentage, less than a quarter in the game. Um, and and it was because Newcastle was standing off all the while. They weren't getting in there and challenging and uh, giving themselves a chance just to nick the ball, nick a bit of possession. Um, and I, I found that very strange indeed. And and really, it was way too easy for Palace to, to just go from from one end of the pitch to the other in possession of the ball. There was no real pressure on on them whatsoever. Um, and, and all I could think was, are we trying to lull them into a sense of security uh, and, and catch them uh, um, with a bit of a surprise? But the surprise never came, of course. Um, and there were one or two players, I'm afraid, uh, just didn't uh, um, materialise out there. Fraser, for one. Um, that surprised me because ultimately, you know, he hasn't he hasn't performed great. He, he hasn't had much of a chance, to be fair, under Steve Bruce. And yeah, I mean, when you're given that opportunity, Mal, you seize it with both hands, don't you? Well, you should do. Yeah. Um, can you tell me what position he was playing? Because I couldn't work it out. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know what you mean. I, I mean, look, he did he, he didn't grab the opportunity, and I'm sure. Um, what we'll see, I would imagine, is some kind of change for the for the game against mm -hmm. Chelsea. Um, you would imagine, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you I know, I, when when Graham Jones said about uh, that he made his selection on what he had seen in recent training, 
it surprised me a little because there are very good trainers and not so good trainers. Um, you and quite often you find that the not such good trainers are those that uh, that can really turn it on on the pitch. A perfect um, example, Malcolm, was Tony Green, wasn't he? Who, absolutely, who yeah. Didn't look good in training, but oh, was terrific yeah. on match day. I've yes. Got, I've got to think what Graham Jones meant, because I want to stay positive as opposed to negative, that he perhaps didn't explain as well, is, is not just how they physically train, like, but mm. the attitude, the attitude yeah. of the player in training. Somebody that wants it, somebody that'll run through a brick wall, and somebody that's just jocking it yeah, up. Yeah, I accept that, John. I've got, yeah. I've got to hope that that's what he was referring mm. to when he said. I mean, you've touched on something that really bothered me, Malcolm, and that was Fraser, because this guy has got talent, but he frustrates the life out of me. Now, I yeah, he's, he, he saves it up for when he's wearing a Scottish shirt. Oh, he's fantastic he at international level, lads. He yeah. is. He looked, yeah. By the way, in, in a very average international side, it's not yes. a good showboat. Scotland are a, a very average international side, but he plays well. When he was at Bournemouth, he played well feeding Wilson. Now, people will say in his defence that he played out of position because he was playing as a 10. What was he playing down at Palace? He certainly wasn't playing as a winger, which is what I, he played I, to Wilson. I saw, I saw no position in his play. No. But what bothers me, Marlon, you've, what bothers me about Fraser, I was very interested, Steve, to see Fraser because I thought, this guy's got something. He hasn't had a lot of incentive to play where under Bushy a bit like uh, Dwight Gale. So he certainly gets a chance, he starts, mm. and he'll fly out the blocks and he'll look good. He had next to no touches. He did nothing in the game and he was subbed. And I'm beginning to think, even for a free transfer, he's a costly signing man because he yes. ain't doing anything and he's picking up wages. And mm. quite frankly, this weekend, when loads of players are available that didn't start down there, and I think nine-tenths of them will make absolutely no difference whatsoever because they're basically not good enough. But I would play Almirin before I would play Fraser against Chelsea because if we only got 25% of the ball against Palace, who were only about four or five places above us, what percentage of the ball, guys, are we going to get against yeah. Chelsea, who play so well out of the back through a fluid midfield and a forward line that mix it up? We're going to have no percentage at all. So when we win the ball back close to our own goal, and by the way, this is what we were criminal at at Palace for me, when we did get the ball, we give it away far too easily. Yeah. We mm. sacrificed the ball when we had it. And we can't do that against Chelsea. And my hope is that if you had somebody like Almirin in and would pick up the ball deep, we've got to have legs to take it forward, to connect yeah. with Wilson, etc. And the one thing he's got, and we know what he hasn't got, but the one thing he's got, Almirin, is legs. He will run from the edge of our mm. area towards the edge of theirs. And that might be something that's needed against Chelsea. But disappointed as, as I can be with Fraser. Sure. And there is another um, point I would make, um, and that is that uh, I think Kieran Clark has been a great pro 
not just for Newcastle, but over his career. Great pro um, at international level as well. He's looking shocking at the moment. Oh, isn't um, he? Isn't he's he? looking unbalanced. He's looking um, as if he can just be pushed around um, like a lightweight. And and he's he's not showing the things that have made him uh, an accomplished player. Uh, he's not getting the ball. He's 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 not passing it. And 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 I think what is going on when when a when a good, honest pro like Kieran Clark is is looking like a right duffer. I think uh, confidence, Malcolm, has got to be so so low in 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 individuals at the mm -hmm. moment with the way they've had a play. I mean, I look at the middle three in a five and there's about six players that we can pick from with Lascelles, Fernandez, Clark, um, Shaw, Kraft was in there. And it's much of a muchness. I, yeah. I am at the stage where I don't really care who the three are out of the six because there's still holes in the defence because we haven't got a standout centre-back now. And Steve Bruce went on about that for the two years that he was here, but he didn't do anything about it. We no. didn't sign anybody. No. And really, that is, a, I think, you could bring Pep, in, Pep Guardiola into Newcastle between now and January the 1st and get him working with what is at our disposal at the moment and he would struggle to make a fist of it, man. Because yeah. he, he haven't... I would think he had landed on another planet, John. Oh, he's not planet <laughs> football anyway, mate. That's yeah, that's it. true. <laughs> the two things I would like, guys, and this might be a little bit fancy at the moment, but knowing how, how fragile we are and how limited people we have at our disposal, <laughs> I would like the, the, the forgotten men that have been missing to suddenly not be missing and be available to us. And I'm talking about Dubrovka in goal because for me he's better than Dolo and he's better than Woodman and he produces confidence for those in front of him. And I would like the best defender in the club, Paul Dummett, to be available mm -hmm. to play in the back. He actually enjoys defending Malcolm, as you know. Oh, he does. Absolutely, <laughs> like Frank players. Clark did. Hey, and you look at other players and they don't mm -hmm. look as if they enjoy it. Shaw, no. for example, has got an awful lot about him. He's great on the ball. He'll come out from the back. He'll try to knock it into people, etc., etc. Mm. But he's a walking mistake. I watched him in the Euros yeah. for Switzerland and first. In every match, he will make a mammoth rick. And they will yes. have a goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah, he'll get caught at the back. Yeah, he's, he's a walking mistake, Mal. He's a mm. walking mistake. So I would, yeah, yeah. I would love to... The only thing that I think would help us at the back is Dubrovka and Dummett. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I would agree. And I, 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 st I still will go back to Lascelles. I still think Lascelles is a problem in, in, um, in the defence in as much that he doesn't want to get really pushed forward and get as far away from the goal as possible. He, he prefers to hang back. And he wants to have have centre halves behind him because right. he's got no confidence in himself at all. And so Newcastle, they play in such a stretched out uh, uh, fashion because the back line isn't pushing up because of Lascelles. 
Then and and therefore the midfield to get in contact with the back four or back line, uh, they have to drop off, and that means that Wilson is completely on his own uh, up front with no support at all, hardly. And he and he proves that when he is supported, when he is getting crosses, boy, he's he's a real danger in in the the opposing penalty area. Absolutely. But if you've got somebody like Lascelles holding back the, the back line and therefore the middle line, somebody like Wilson, he, 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 he might as well just lean against the post and puff a cigar. Mal, what, what, happened, what happens with Lascelles, Mal, I, I think we've both felt for a while, is that he's scared to death somebody running off his shoulder or running into yeah, space perhaps. Absolutely he is. Deep end, deep end, right. deep end. But he's pulling he's pulling other people into positions that, that they don't want to play because it's not right. Because it's they, not they, the way to defend, it's not and it's not the way to, to be an organized back line. The the middle the middle man of a three, and I'm talking about the three centre half, so middle man of the three yeah. uh, is you well know Malcolm better than anyone. He decides where the back line's going to be positioned. That they're going to push forward, they're going to drop mm. off. The middle man tells the, the one on the right and left where you're going, whether you're going to be deeper, whether you're going to push up. And therefore, Lascelles, as the middle man, is the man that is deciding the Newcastle defensive policy. And the policy is, I don't want somebody running in behind me, so we're deeper, 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 and we end up playing mm. on the goalkeeper's toes. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, um, it, it's so dangerous um, to to play on your goalkeeper's toes. It means that you're denying him the space to to boss his box. Certainly, um, and and you put in the midfield back that, and the whole thing turns into a real shambles. And which is what Newcastle have looked for most of this season so far. Luckily, of course, guys, we needn't worry about that against Chelsea because they might not have Lukaku and Tino Werner. So uh, we, we haven't got any worries. And, and uh, you see, when they haven't got the two main strikers, they're absolutely hopeless. They only scored seven against Norwich without them. I mean, they didn't get into double figures, so we, I don't think we need to worry too much. We're a better team than Norwich, John. We'll come to that at the end of the programme anyway, when we get the predictions. I've had to pre-record uh, the three amigos because I'm uh, I'm otherwise engaged with uh, John and uh, Gavin Peacock tomorrow night. So um, I, I already know the three amigos predictions, but I won't spoil that for the viewers. Stu Taylor asks, uh, how many points do you think we need to accrue before the transfer window opens? to have a realistic chance of staying up, John? Great question. Without, I haven't gone into it in that much depth, but what I would say, and it's a great, great question from the guy, because that is the first target. The first target of this club right now, yeah. we've changed the owners. Thank goodness for that. We've changed the manager. Thank goodness for that. We cannot change anything else apart from bringing in a permanent manager until January the 1st. And the major changes that, made, uh, that need making are on the field. The simple answer, and it, it might look as if it's ducking the question, is that we've got to get as many points as anybody in the bottom five because we've got to be in touch uh, by the time January the 1st is. We can't be tapered off. And we haven't got to worry just about the other two that's in the bottom with us. We've got to worry about 
the, the team that's fourth bottom. Now, if, as we go into this weekend before the international break, guys, first and foremost, we are part of a very unwanted record. For the first time in the 133-year history of football in this country, in the top flight, there are three teams that haven't won a solitary single match after nine games. Never happened before in 133 Really? We are one of the three. Now, the interesting thing is, therefore, <clears throat> the three at the bottom that haven't won a game are desperate to win the first game. Interesting, this weekend, before the break, all three are at home. So you think, is that a chance for the three? And then you look at who they're playing. We are playing Chelsea. Bookies won't say that's our first win. Uh, Norwich are playing Leeds, and I'll come to that in a minute, at home. And, um, and oh, Burnley are playing Brentford, who are unbeaten away from home in the Premier League mm. this season. Now, what result do we want at Norwich? Because Norwich are absolutely hopeless. They're dead in the water. But if Leeds get only their second win of the season, and then the second season syndrome, without the shadow of doubt, but if they win at Norwich, they're three points ahead of us. They go six points ahead of us if we lose to Chelsea, as people anticipate, with a fortnight's break. Now, that's the sort of gap we dare allow mm -hmm. to yeah. accrue. And we are in this position where we're setting part of a record over 133 years. Now, that is a heck of a situation for us to be in. All three bottom clubs all at home this weekend. Right. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting one, Isn't I have to say. Isn't it? Um, I understand Stuart's um, reasons for asking the question. Um, and and he's asking to have a realistic chance of staying up. Yeah, There's more to this than he realises, or at least he ha he's ha not mentioned it. Between now and end of this year, uh, the 31st of December, that's and the window opens the next day. Newcastle United move to give the feeling to possible uh, um, uh, to possible players coming in that that we're worthwhile. They won't come in if we're tailed off, Mal. That's right. If we're still in the bottom three, you know, in all honesty, would either of you guys? Would you sign for a premiership club halfway through the season that was in the bottom three? No, only if I was hopeless and going to get a big wage. Um, <laughs> right, so you get hopeless players in. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. That's what yeah. happens. Yeah. You know, and gee whiz, we've seen enough of those come in over the past few years. And, and what worries you, Malcolm? What worries you without going, when you look at the games we've got to accrue the points that Stuart's on about? Because for example, we'll play all three of the top sides. Chelsea, yeah. Man City yes. and Liverpool. Do you know? We play, I, we play I, Leicester, we play Arsenal, we yeah. play Brentford, we play, we play Brighton. Um, that, the only two matches that look winnable to me, almost nailed on, 
are Norwich and Burnley. Nor- well. Norwich and Burnley, and they they're cons- yeah oh. they're consecutive home games. Yep. Um, at the end of November and beginning of December, and must and be six that, points, Malcolm. Must got to be six points. points, but even but but then we need to get an awful lot more points. You know, and and to to actually be specific with an answer to uh, to Stuart by December thirty first, I would dearly hope and uh, and like to see Newcastle United with at least twenty points. Yeah, I would say that's a, that's a good target. I mean, looking at the fixtures, lads, just whilst we're on Chelsea, obviously this weekend. Brighton away, Brentford at home, Arsenal away, Norwich at home, which is a key game, Burnley at home, which is a key game, Leicester away, then we're into the December period now, Liverpool away, Man City at home, Man United at home, and then Southampton away on the first game of the new year on the 2nd of uh, January. I mean, I didn't. I didn't actually realise it was that easy, Steve. Um, we then got Watford. We then got a break. We have, we have then got a break because it's definitely a cup weekend, and then we've got Watford at home. We've got. We've got. Who's just gone to Rafa and won five two? By the way, um, but we've got four points out of uh, twenty seven, haven't we, at the moment? So we've obviously set the standard where we're, we're going to cruise it. Uh, I mean, being serious, we're going to get lifts out of the changes that have happened behind the scenes. We're going to, please God, get organisation. We're going to get a new manager who might well and will be in well before January the 1st. But we're stuck with the same personnel. We cannot get a lift off the pitch. And heaven forbid, and I'm not going. I'm actually not going to go down this route because we're going to depress ourselves, and we've had enough of depression under the old regime. But if we can't keep Callum Wilson and some maximum fit during this period, then goodness gracious, are we in trouble? And I know San Maximum did nothing at Palace. Mm. But he still remains a major hope during all this. And Wilson is the goal scorer. We've got to have them available for every game between now and January the 1st to keep us in touch. Because the idea of playing those these games without those two frightens me to death. OK, there's some maximum. He is the icing on the cake. He's not. He can't be the cake itself. And I think that that's what some people are expecting, particularly some of some of his uh, uh, um, some of the players that he's with. And uh, he's he's the icing, not the cake itself. But you're absolutely right. You couldn't have put it better uh, either. You're absolutely correct. But it's about the only hope we've got. The two of them. Can you imagine if there was an injury and those two didn't play for us? Sure. And what disturbs me, guys, what disturbs me and I want to see, because I look at the squad and I've already said, back three, you can pick from six. I don't care who you pick because it's same of a sameness. So if you're going to get a boost from anywhere outside of the two obvious guys, where are you going to get it? And I'm looking at Joe Willock, you know, and say, give me some hope. Look a little bit like you did last season. I'm not talking about scoring 
every game because that's ridiculous. We don't have a centre forward that scores every game, never mind the midfield player. But he used he played with a smile on his face last season. Mm -hmm. He played with a, a bounce in his step. He was infectious. Things were happening, and that was without the crowd in it to give him the big lift. He looks drained this season. He looks off the pace a little bit. He looks slightly depressed. He looks slightly, oh, what have I committed myself to full-time? We need Joe Willick to be back to his best and to give us a lift and give himself a lift and give us a bit of a chance. Right. Yeah. Last season, when he was here on loan, he was hungry for to, to earn a contract with Newcastle United. He's got that contract and he's just... Uh, uh, I think in fairness, Malcolm... There's no hunger and a real desire this season that we saw last season in him. I take your point totally, but I don't want to be too harsh on the kid. I no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm I not wanting to be harsh. Saying, I don't think it's him saying, oh, I don't care now because I've got... No, no, no. He's not. But I, I, I think, think that... He's depressed. It, he's depressed. It, yeah, sure. It's that. It's the mood of the dressing room and you can imagine the mood on the training field and what have you. Um, and, and I think it's affecting him because we've got to remember that he's still a young lad. What, what I've got to say, guys, because we're getting very depressed here and I've got to give us all three of us some hope and the, the listeners and the viewers <laughs> some hope. So I'm going to say to them, what they don't realise is that we've got... Shelby, Joe Linton and Hendrick to come in and improve this side. So things are going to get better than they are now because there's three diamonds waiting there to come in and glow and that might be against Chelsea. Chelsea's terrified in case those three boys come in on Saturday. This will all be a distant memory. This will all be a distant... We will laugh about this in, in years to come, I am sure. We will, we will, but not at the moment. Not at the moment. A big shout <laughs> Not out when to you're stuck sponsor. in the middle of it. <laughs> no, a big, a big shout-out to our sponsors, Spider VPN. Uh, for all your internet security, Google Spider VPN. They are the boys to trust. Uh, protect your passwords and everything on your computer. Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of your Google search list. Also, a big thank you to skipsandbins.com, who Malcolm can definitely recommend. Telephone oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 25 email inquiries at skipsandbins.com website www.skipsandbins.com easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection and there is Sir Bobby on his broom and also a big thank you to LNG Family Funeral Directors 01913897245 and to John at qtechshop.co.uk the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle and uh, also the guy who runs our website, nufcmatters.com. Also, thanks to John at Jab Signature. Their website is jabsignature.co.uk. And uh, John's new range is now out. So uh, pop onto the website and have a, a perusal at your leisure. If you want to subscribe to the channel, uh, over 100 new subscribers this week, hit Newcastle Legends logo and uh, you are subscribed for free. And uh, we are still doing seven shows in a week hit the thumb up to like the video click share to share to your other social media and drop into the comments box to speak to like-minded newcastle fans 
and potentially get a question on screen. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and the rest. So place a subscription there. And if you're out and about in the car or out walking your dog, uh, you'll be able to listen to us on there. Uh, a couple of events coming up. Uh, Gavin Peacock is tomorrow night. Um, so you best not buy online if you want to come. There are a few limited tickets available on the door. Uh, £15 on the door tomorrow night. Uh, and John Gibson will be hosting and interviewing Gavin Peacock tomorrow. We'll have a few raffles on, a couple of auctions, and uh, just a, a good old uh, get-together of Newcastle fans with a club legend. So looking forward to that. Uh, then you can join uh, Malcolm and Gibbo at the NUFC Matters Christmas Party, uh, which is circa 2020, um, obviously postponed due to the COVID pandemic. Uh, but the guys are on stage. All uh, proceeds for that are going to the food bank. Uh, should be a cracking night. Tickets are £12. And last but by no means least, uh, an evening with Peter Beardsley. Uh, and that takes place on the 26th of November. Gibbo will be the host on that one as well, interviewing Peter at the Tyneside Irish Centre. All tickets for all events are available at newcastlelegends.com and simply click shop. Uh, the only other one to give you a shout about is this one, which is myself and Malcolm will be doing another talking for the food bank on the 9th of December. And that is Bobix in Jesmond. Tickets for that are selling quickly. It's only a small venue, only holds 50 people. Uh, and all proceeds go into the food bank on that one. Bobix.com is where to buy your tickets. Don't forget the match day bucket is operational 365 days a year for the food bank. Uh, to make a cyber donation, uh, click nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can uh, enter into the raffle to win this watch. Uh, the draw for that hasn't been confirmed yet. And uh, we've also got a pair of Peter Beardsley trainers up for grabs for the uh, food bank. nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk is where you purchase your tickets for that. A pound a ticket, custom-made trainers, uh, to your size, signed by Peter Beardsley, and the winner will be drawn on the 26th of November at the Peter Beardsley event. All proceeds again go into Food Bank. And thank you to I Am the Renovation for providing those trainers for auction. Uh, the Three Amigos, as I mentioned earlier, is a pre record. We are on tomorrow night at six o'clock, uh, and it'll be an hour and a half. We pre recorded it today. So uh, tune in to that. Uh, me, Mitch, and Steve Hasty putting the world to rights and uh, all your usual favourites on there as well. And speaking of Peter Beardsley, lads, um, I did happen to uh, I did happen to pop down to see Peter today um, doing his soccer school uh, down at Kingston Park. Uh, great to see him and uh, great to see the, the, the youngsters turning up in Newcastle strips, John, which uh, I've banged on about for a while now because of the Ashley era and us losing a decade of, of supporters going to Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, Man City, whatever, um, and youngsters running around in Barcelona, tops with Messi on. Out of the kids who were down there today, there was about 12 of them had their brand new Newcastle top on and already were seeing an effect, John. Fabulous. Um, yes, and if we have sounded a little bit in the first half of the show, downbeat apprehensive, it's only about the personality here right at this moment. We know that the future of this club looks better than it's looked in an awful long while. We are mm. optimistic. We have new owners. We will have a new manager and we will have some new players to go with the decent ones that will be retained. The future of this club, I've got no doubt about. 
What I want to happen is us to remain in the Premier League this season and not have a new manager and to start in the Championship next season. But this club has greater hope than it's had in the last 14 years. And for that, we're eternally grateful. And I think we're going to go in the one direction, despite the fact that everybody else in the country has suddenly disliked Newcastle. Have you noticed, guys, how everybody liked Newcastle United, the rest of the country I'm talking about, when we've just fought relegation season after season after season after season? They wished us to stay up because we had big crowds when they come up here. We also give them three points. They wished us to stay up. They wished us all the best. Now, they want us to go down because we've got owners that might actually spend something. We might actually show a modicum of ambition. So now, having spent 14 years commiserating with us and saying, we hope you stay up. Isn't it awful? You, Jodies, are lovely. You support failure. All of a sudden now, we're the fat cats that everybody wants to see sunk. I tell you what I can stick with. I can stick with jealousy. I can stick with a green-eyed monster if they're giving mm -hmm. us fat And I'm optimistic long-term. I'm fearful short-term only because... This isn't like the old days, Mal, which we remember ever so well, when you could go out and buy when you needed to buy. If mm -hmm. you had a couple of quid, you yeah. went out and spent it and you bought somebody. And it was only in the last run into the end of the season where you couldn't buy. That's right. It used to be from about the 1st of April, didn't it? Yeah, you couldn't buy just to keep mm. you up at the death. But you could buy it any time during the season. Now you can't, so Armstrong. But uh, good days long term, good days, medium term, short term, fingernails, up to me knuckles, teeth biting away, hopefully we'll come out of it on the right side of the coin. Uh, and if we beat Chelsea and then we beat Liverpool and we beat Man City all before Christmas, and of course <laughs> that makes Arsenal and Leicester an absolute dolly, then uh, we could be cruising. We could be looking at a push in the second half of the season for Europe, guys. Yes, <laughs> you never know, John. You know, funnier things have happened, mate. Funnier I, th on a day Leicester trip, on a boat out of Calais, I think. Yeah, but don't forget Leicester <laughs> won the league, mate. I they did, and, and I loved that. Didn't Sunderland beat Leeds in Sunderland beat Leeds in '73. There's no need to spoil the mood, pal. Can I not stick to <laughs> Leicester winning the league? That does for me. Leicester also won the cup, yeah, the FA Cup. I don't want to hear about what Sunderland won. Thank you very much. I love it. I love it. Jasper Richardson says thoughts on Elliot Dickman being appointed under 23 manager at Malcolm. Uh, he spent the last 26 years working with Sunderland. Yeah, and he's worked right away from the bottom up. Um, to uh, uh, to be in in that similar position to uh, uh, to his appointment with Newcastle, and his record has been very good, um, and and he's hugely experienced at this particular level of football. That's where his expertise is, um, and so uh, um, I I think he's going to do ever so well. He's he's going to. Certainly, um, and hopefully, um, start producing some some real uh, talented young youngsters. And uh, it, it's been a long time since we've seen any youngsters coming through. Uh, and uh, it would be nice to see that. I've al I've always enjoyed that as a player, as a manager, um, 
to see youngsters coming coming through uh, and uh, thriving in what they're doing uh, and and fighting and scrapping for a place in in in, in the top side and uh, who knows be very nice it, it it's a long term situation of course um, yeah yeah but, I wish but good luck well. to him i hope I he does well. really well and i'm sh <laughs> I'm sure he's going to get a bit of uh, stick having been at Sunderland for so long. Yeah, oh, yeah there's no question. But I, I wish him well. Uh, yeah, Pops, a mate of mine who played for me at Gateshead on loan when he when he was at Newcastle as a youngster. Uh, it's his appointment. I put my faith in Hops that he's got it right. We need to look at that desperately. Great fun that you get the Saudis in in the first appointment is that you take a Sunderland uh, coach <laughs> and make him a coach at Newcastle. That was left left midfield. We weren't expecting that one, Michael. <laughs> I, I wish him the very best. Yeah, yeah. me too. Uh, Elliot Anderson's been called up to the under-23, says Lee. Uh, what are your thoughts about players playing for other countries that they weren't born in? Um Probably makes us think of that Gordon Lee story. <laughs> um, Malcolm, um, you take yeah. quite a, you tell quite a bit on the after dinner circuit, but I mean, Elliot <laughs> Anderson, he's been called up under twenty threes. A lot of you know, we haven't seen a great deal of him um, unless you do go and watch, you know, the the youngsters play. Um, there's definitely a little bit of talent there, and he's been on the fringes. Um, but look, it's a good sign if he's getting picked for for his international team, isn't it? Regardless of you know whether it's this side of the yeah. border or not. Now, if and. Um, I think I'm right in saying that you can play for Scotland's under-23s, but that doesn't prevent you playing for the England full international side these yeah. days. Um, it used that, to be... That is, possible. that is possible, Malcolm, whether it's, yeah. whether, whether it's competitive games or whatever. As you know, this guy's granddad is Jeff Allen, and you couldn't get a bigger yeah. story than Jeff Allen. Sure, but, and bless him, he had to retire early, didn't he, yeah, Jeff? Yeah. And he, and, and he was... Is, when I arrived here at, at, in Newcastle in 71, um, Jeff had just been appointed um, youth team coach, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I was. never really got to, got to see him as a player. I think, uh, I think with Elliot, it's, it's through his dad that he can yes. play for Scotland. Rather than right. His mum's side of the family, which is Jeff Allen, it's, yeah. through, his, it's through his dad. And hey, it's fair enough. It's the it's the uh, rules of football. I mean, when Big sure, Jack and, they, Charlton, and they're all they're doing, Jack John, Charlton, is... Malcolm, yeah. But when Big Jack Charlton was manager of the Republic of mm. Ireland, if you'd managed to have a pint of Guinness in a Dublin bar at any time, <laughs> you qualified for the Republic of Ireland because that's what Big Jack got half that's his players from. <laughs> yeah. So it's a crazy old world, but honestly. Good luck to Elliot. He's had a few injury problems recently. I want to see him develop here and I want to see him get a crack at the first team here because the kids got talent and we need to encourage local talent. Absolutely. I'd like to see him get through here. Yes, and great experience as well. Yeah. Um, it, it, the international scene is something quite different to club football and, uh, and it just broadens a player's horizons. It really does. Mm. Question there from Ben. He says, "Would you take Ronald Koeman as manager now that he's a free agent after getting the sack at Barcelona?" Mm. Question the years, yes. No, no. no it, he would be the wrong appointment because um, 
Newcastle are, are, are down in the depths at the moment and they need somebody who understands that kind of a job to do. And I don't think that Kuman has ever uh, taken a job like that. He's always gone to sides that, that are pretty much structured and built um, and he's just taken them on from there. Uh, right now, Newcastle United need a, a lot of basic graft doing and uh, Kuman isn't that kind of guy. No. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, if, if I had to take any old Everton manager, I think I would be more leaning towards Martinez, who worked with Jones with the Belgian yeah. side and might be a better fit to Newcastle, having managed Wigan and took them to the FA Cup final. Also, there's all foreign names being being chucked in, 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 into the melting pot on this. Um, but the situation that Newcastle are in, I just feel that it needs, it needs somebody who really understands and has experienced the Premier League and what job really lies in, uh, um, uh, uh, in store um, over, the, over the next two or three seasons. And I, and I still go back to... Uh, um, to Frank Lampard, that he's put together pretty much the side that Newcastle are facing on um, on Saturday. Tuchel's just sort of tweaked it somewhat, but it was Frank that that, that was he got these players in, he got them organised, um, and I thought his <clears throat> his sacking was one of the one of the unfairest. Um, sackings that I've ever seen in football. I thought he, I thought he was just on the on the. He'd worked worked it all the way to just on the verge that they were going to take that last final leap um, in, 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 into the top sphere. Uh, and he's got sacked, and and Tuchel has basically just used pretty much the same group of players, and. Uh, and tweaked it, and 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 we'll see just just uh, what Frank actually put together this this Saturday, and he understands the situation that Newcastle are in, and 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 would know how to deal with it, what kind of players, uh, um, because. It, it it's no use looking at the really big name stars or anything like that. It, what you need are are good, down to earth, honest grafters who are really going to fight and battle to just get up each level. Um, that oh, we've lost a good four to five years to turn this situation at Newcastle around, and I think he'd be a he would be terrific at actually achieving that. Little bit of issue with your, uh, your internet, Malcolm, but we can still hear you, mate. It's just, it just dropped out a little bit there, so hence uh, the reason I interrupted. Okay, we're going to look ahead to the game uh, coming up this weekend. And uh, because uh, he's been travelling to the UK, because he is coming to uh, see John and Gavin Peacock um, uh, this weekend, um, he's been travelling over for Bulgaria. Toon Stato uh, is making a guest appearance on tonight's show, so here we go. 
Hello amigos and cheers from Edinburgh. I'm on my way to Newcastle for the game tomorrow. Game against Chelsea. When you think about it, the last time Newcastle won at St. James's Park with 52,000 people in was like something like two years ago against Chelsea in January 2020. Since then, we haven't won a game. I don't count the game against Sheffield United in May when you had uh, 10,000 people in. So let's see if the wait is over tomorrow. As, I, as it was two years back, I'll be at the stadium. Uh, Chelsea are looking for their fourth consecutive win, which uh, is going to be the second time that they do it under Tuchel. The previous time was in February and their fourth win came, came against Newcastle. Newcastle, on the other hand, as you well know, it's, uh, is winless after nine games. Only two times in the history Newcastle has started 10 games without a win. In 1898 and in 2018, 120 years later. The funny thing is that both times Newcastle didn't get relegated. Uh, Newcastle is the, has the worst home record in the past two seasons uh, for conceded goals at home, 43, and only two clean sheets. Chelsea, on the other hand, have 14 different players scoring already in the nine Premier League games, which is a pretty impressive record. Chelsea also won two of the last three games at St. James's Park, which is more than they did in the previous seven games prior to that. At the time, Newcastle had four wins, two draws and only one defeat. So let's see how we fare against the team leaders, the league, the league leaders tomorrow. Great stuff from Toon Santo as always. Um, yeah, in John, can you use him as a reference when you're, you're writing all your stuff for the Chronicles? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the lad is talented. Like he doesn't read any books. He's just got that up the top of his head, John. Yeah, uh, good for him. Come on, you Stato. Um, yeah, if he, he didn't have any notes or anything, he, did he? I tell you what's a challenge, uh, Steve. You should have said this, that, oh, I want you to make out a case why Newcastle are going to win by three clear goals against Chelsea. And uh, if we did that well, then we can forget about Graham Jones and just show that in the dressing room before the game on Saturday afternoon. Um, but there we go. Nice to, uh, to see the guys trotting back up here. And as we know, Steve... Um, Gavin Peacock's going to be uh, When I was talking to him this week About us doing your gig um, He was on about how thrilled he is That he's going to be at the match on Saturday It's his two old clubs Newcastle and uh, and Chelsea He was here at the start of the entertainers Played in the FA Cup final For Chelsea So it's a marvellous game for him Coming over for Kanda but it's a marvellous game for Amanda. It's a marvellous game for Graham Jones. It's a marvellous game for the players and for the fans. But it's only a marvellous game if you get the right result. Yeah, you say a marvellous game. I just wonder how the players are feeling in the dressing room and, and, and during the week um, at the training ground. Um, it, it's, it's one hell of a task that they face. But... Uh, it's if they're on doing, Malcolm. It's a, yeah, doing, absolutely. So it's but it's a great challenge. Now. It's a great yeah. challenge, and I'm and, and I'm looking to see who picks the cudgel up and is prepared to run with it and really go for it. Uh, I I just thought that they were all too all too nervy against Crystal Palace. Got to be positive in a situation like this. You, you can't stand off Chelsea. You've, you've, you've got to tighten them down all the while. 
you say how are they feeling? They're probably knackered. They've been training five days this week, so that's <laughs> yeah. probably how they're feeling. They're not used to that. Um, <laughs> give us a quick prediction, then, John. Oh, dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear! Isn't it an awful one? Newcastle to lose, uh, not because I want them to, but because they're not good enough for this particular team. I pray that I'm wrong. I pray that Chelsea do a Devon Lock. I pray that Chelsea have a man sent off. I pray that Chelsea score two own goals. I pray that we therefore win. But the idea of Newcastle keeping a clean sheet and scoring a solidly goal to beat them can always happen in a two-horse race. But I'm sorry, even with my heart, never mind my head, I can't see New This is a game too far for Newcastle. I honestly got to say that. And I think most Newcastle fans, Stephen, and I know that you and the three amigos might feel very different. And God bless you for that optimism. I love optimists. I mean, I, you guys, as you were walking up to the gallows, would believe that the noose would snap, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in once in a million years it will and this weekend's that million years 2-2 two, two draw I reckon Mal what about you um, I, at the very beginning of the season before a ball was kicked I um, I nominated Chelsea to win the um, to win the uh, title and uh, and nothing that I have seen is going to um, cause me to change my mind on that um, I think they're a super footballing outfit um, uh, uh, in, in all departments. And uh, and it breaks my heart because I'm a Fulham fan um, as a kid. Um, and, uh, and Chelsea were, were the, the, the Sunderland to Newcastle uh, down in West London. And... Uh, and, and I used to go and watch Chelsea regularly because they would play on the other on the alternate weekend to um, Fulham. And uh, but I vowed as a youngster that I would never ever put a penny through the turnstiles. And so I bunked in on about I would reckon oh 150 times. Brilliant. Well. <laughs> um, and and I I can assure you this is breaking my heart because uh, uh, um, for me as a Fulham supporter being as kind as I am to Chelsea oh my dear it's oh uh, I don't think I'll ever recover to be honest I'm afraid that uh, I think Chelsea are, 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 they're going that they're, they're in a hell of a run a hell of a run and. Um, uh, I can I can see it certainly being uh, three or four nil, and uh, I I can't see Newcastle um, causing any problem inside the Chelsea penalty area. In fact, I think they'll be uh, um, they'll do really well to actually get inside the Chelsea penalty area, uh, and I'm not expecting to see very much action there at all. The, okay. the wonderful thing, Steve, if I may say so, just watching all our all our viewers send little messages across the bottom, and I love all that, and God bless them. And I think there's a lot of tongues in cheek, but I've noticed that Joe Linton's going to score a hat-trick, and Isaac Caden is going to get the winner. Now, if ever 
pigs fly by the window in a flock, that is it. Um, because it would be wonderful, and we may as well say the goalkeeper is going to go up and nod one in in the 92nd minute just to make certain. Um, but yes, wouldn't it be lovely? And something daft might happen. I just pray that something awful doesn't happen. That's that's the biggest thing of the mm -hmm. night. Let, mm -hmm. Let's get to this stage. Let's get the international break. Let's get new manager in. Let Brentford come up here. Let Tony come up here and let them get a big smacking. Great stuff, lads. As always, have a good week. See you next Thursday. And uh, Malcolm, I will see you at the Dog and Parrot, of course, um, one o'clock on Saturday. Indeed, I shall be there and looking forward to it. Good night, Take guys. Care. See you tomorrow night, Gibble. Bye-bye. Keep the faith, boys. Keep the faith. <laughs>